Hey, good evening, Grace Point. Anybody out there watching, welcome to Thursday night Bible study. Father, we pray for grace and mercy and the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him in the knowledge of Jesus. All praise, all glory, all honor go to Jesus. He is the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Lord, open our hearts and minds to the word. Be merciful to us. Help us, Lord, to understand. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 14. Let's get into it. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus. Everyone's talking about Jesus. And he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Eh, wrong. <laughs> How often are people wrong about Jesus? <laughs> Amen. Everything everybody says about Jesus ain't right, people. If, if it ain't coming from the Word of God, and if it ain't coming from uh, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God, it's probably wrong about Jesus, okay? Herod was wrong about Jesus. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother, Philip. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her, and it wasn't. We often forget that Herod was a Jew too. Herod was a Jew too. He was under law. So John was confronting the king. Isn't that something? Woo! Be like me going up to the president. Hey, it's not lawful for you to be sleeping with that woman. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they regarded him as a prophet. And he was. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised to give him half of whatever she had, up to half of his kingdom. And having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Uh-oh. And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given to her because of his oath and because of his dinner guest. And he sent away and had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter given to the girl and she gave it to her mom and his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and they went and reported it to Jesus now when Jesus heard it he withdrew from there in a boat to lonely places by himself and when the multitude heard of it they followed him on foot into the cities I'll stop there for right now we'll see if we need to go further so here we got this story. Who was John the Baptist? We've studied it. We know, right? He was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make way for the Lord. So John was preparing the way for Jesus. When Jesus came, John said, I got a decrease and Jesus is going to increase. Now the law is departing and John's the last prophet under the law. And even though John was in the New Testament <clears throat> Gospels, he was an Old Testament prophet. Did you know that? Even though he's in the New Testament, other than Jesus, he's the last Old Testament prophet. Jesus was an Old Testament prophet. He's also a New Testament prophet. He's bringing the old and the new together. We talked about that, I think, a couple weeks ago. He's bringing the old and new together like that scribe, right? 
Jesus was the actual last Old Testament prophet, and he's also the first New Testament prophet, and he's so much more than that. But John was the last Old Testament prophet. He's decreasing. The law is being fulfilled and going to be laid aside. Fulfilled totally by Jesus and laid aside. You read, read in Hebrews about that. It just explains it very much in detail. And so he is actually going to be martyred. And that was God's intention all along. He knew that John was going to be martyred. And so um, John, as a good Old Testament prophet, he's holding Herod accountable to the law. He was sleeping with his brother's wife. Is it okay to sleep with your brother's wife under the law? No. Well, let me ask you this. Is it okay to sleep with your brother's wife in the new covenant? No. In the new covenant, you can't even think about it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You don't even think about it. And, and we don't because of the grace of God working in our hearts. I can't remember what Charlie said a couple Sundays ago. He said, grace is God giving you or working in you everything he requires. But he said it so much better. Um, so John's doing his job. He's an Old Testament prophet. And he's holding Herod accountable to the law. John gets arrested. His ministry's done. It's over. And uh, this king is completely given over to dissipation and living in the flesh. And I want to tell you, man, when we live in the flesh and we are bound by sin, sin will always take you to places you don't want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. Didn't the Eagles have a song, Brian, like was it Hotel California? You can check out, but you can never leave. That's the nature of the flesh. That's the nature of sin. I know people that, you know, claim they're alcoholics and they tell me all the time, you know, I want to quit. I want to give up. I just can't. Or drug addicts. And it's true in the flesh. They can't. It's an addiction. It's a power. It's a bondage. There are sex addicts out there. There was one guy that I remember he, he was in the news and all this so many years ago and he was having sex and his wife took matters into her own hand. I won't go into detail. And they interviewed him, and he said, I can't control myself. I want to uh, do good, but he, I just women are beautiful, and I want them. And he's right. Apart from something supernatural or a gift from God, um, our nature, the flesh, when you give into the flesh, it gets root in you. It takes you prisoner. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever sins is a servant of sin, or a slave to, the, uh, to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. That was Herod. He was committing adultery, sleeping with his brother's wife, and now he, he's desiring her daughter. I, I assume it was his brother's daughter, his niece. So now this young girl is dancing, and Herod's obviously lusting and being pleased with her, and uh, he's committing sin, certainly in his heart, toward her, uh, because his flesh is out of control. And now his flesh has got him in trouble. Uh, Herodias, no doubt she despises him because he is lusting after her daughter. There's no way she could be respecting him. She's despising him. And she puts him in this situation. She obviously didn't love him. She puts him in this situation where he has to murder. Okay, 
Where else in the Bible has adultery, lust, and sexual sin resulted in murder? Can you think of it? Brian, can you think of it? Old Testament. David, man of God. Men of God, listen to me out there. Women of God, listen to me out there. David, a man after God's own heart, found himself in the exact situation. Who confronted Herod? A prophet. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah by sending him to the front lines, who confronted David? Nathan the prophet, right? He came to him and he said, what you did is sin, it's unlawful, and you're going to be judged. You think Herod got judged? Doesn't mention it, I promise you. He did. David, instead of being at the battle, engaged in the battle, was on his porch looking over the window and he noticed the beauty of Bathsheba and his eyes brought him into sin and it took him to a place he didn't want to go and he had to stay there longer that he wanted to stay, and it actually cost him problems beyond the immediate issue of the baby dying. But he was forgiven. God forgave him because he was a man after God's own heart, and God's grace and favor was upon him, but he was judged for his sin. His sin found him out. I think Charlie posted the other day about your sin finding you out. His sin found him out. And so Herod is caught and he's trapped. And so he puts uh, John the Baptist to death, lost his head. And that's the last truly Old Testament prophet he's done. And when Jesus hears about this, of course, this is his cousin, right? So not only does Jesus love everybody, he, he loves his cousin. And he hears about this and he was grieved and sorrowful. And he went off to be by himself. Why do you think one reason where Jesus course he loved his cousin he loves john what's another reason why he might have wanted to be by himself you have any thought about that anybody why would jesus want to get away and pray and think his cousin just got murdered and jesus knew he was next he knew that john was the last old testament prophet he knew that the old testament was culminating and how did the old testament culminate by the crucifixion of the Messiah. The final fulfillment, all the shadows, all the old, remember I taught the scribes pulling out the old, all of the old being fulfilled in Jesus on the cross, dying for humanity, dying for our sins, all the weight, worse than being beheaded, Jesus was made sin. He bore in his body our sin on the tree that we being dead to sin could live to righteousness and who, by whose stripes we are healed. All, Jesus was fulfilled and he knew it. John's done and now I am rapidly coming to the place where I will become a sin offering for the world. And I am sure he was going out and thinking about this and praying to his father. His mission was clear. I got a question. It just, it just occurred to me. So, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he fulfilled all of the Old Testament, right? And then when he was raised from the dead, 
He initiated the new covenant. We're, actually, when, literally, when he raised from the dead, the Bible says we were made alive with him. Doesn't it say that in Ephesians 2, 5? We were made alive with him. So now the new creation was already made, and then he died in the old. Those three days, what covenant were we under? <laughs> you ever thought about that, Brian? When Jesus was in the, the, the buried, okay, I imagine they're still under the old covenant until he raises from the dead. But there's three days where everything was fulfilled, the law and the prophets, everything's fulfilled, and Jesus is laying there dead. So there's kind of like a three-day period where everything's kind of in limbo, and then boom, he, everything's dead. The old's is done, it's dead, but the new hasn't come, and then after three days, boom, Jesus raises from the dead, and he, he goes up and he puts his blood on the altar of sacrifice, drops his blood in heaven, the reality of what the law was the substance for. He puts his blood in heaven. Our sins are forgiven. He initiates the new covenant. Behold, all things have been made new in Christ. And now we're under that new covenant. And he knows all that's happening, right? All of this is going to happen now, now that John is gone. Then he goes on to heal. I'm going to stop right there because I, I, I have a separate thought uh, for next week. But remember, the, 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 the basic of this teaching, folks, if you're a Christian, guys, like David standing on that wall looking over, not in the battle, not engaged in his walk with God, he's lust. We, the Bible says we need to flee fornication. Paul said that. He said, flee sexual immorality. Every sin a man commits is outside of his body except sexual immorality. He said, flee it, run away from it as in terror, just like Joseph did. Get away from it, run away from it if you have to, but flee sexual Im immorality. You don't want to wind up like Herod, who became a murderer. You don't want to fall into the trap that David fell into. Run away from it, shut the door on it, in Jesus' name. And we'll pick up right there next week.